Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Church, uh, thanks so much, church. I love you guys so much, and I love Pastor John Old Blue Eyes there. It just sucks me in with those eyes. And, uh, and then now you get Old Baldy with the wrinkled shirt. You know, this is one of, ever have one of those shirts where you just, and I have it, like I slouch. So just the mere act of slouching wrinkles the shirt. Um, and then my wife decided to jettison our iron and replace it with a steamer. You know, like from the 1800s. And so you drape this thing over and then you steam it. And then I thought it would be a good idea because when she originally had, you clip it onto the steamer by this. So then when I took it off, there were these little (laughs) points up, which looks a little distracting. And um, so I decided to try to steam it while it was on my body and now I've had this scar that looks like a hickey which I guarantee it is not and you get blue eyes and then you get wrinkled and battered and beaten it's kind of like the state of affairs today though right I mean we're all really really busy busy people and just for two weeks I'd love for us to have a conversation about some of the rest that is to be had for your soul and my soul. We thought it would be a good idea to maybe have a couple of weeks talking about rest for the soul, especially after about a month where we talked about what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus, knowing that a lot of our following Jesus is really putting our faith into action, but also to keep ourselves reminded that the... the, Work that we're doing for God must be anchored in that relationship with him. Otherwise, we're just going to wipe ourselves out and be so incredibly exhausted if we disconnect from uh, the vine, Jesus. And so I want to talk this weekend about what it looks like to have an overtaxed soul and some hope that Jesus has for us. Next week, we'll talk about having an exhausted body and some hope that Jesus has for us in that too. And all together, hopefully come out of this just rested people, strengthened people, filled with hope and uh, really enjoying a lot of the goodness that God has for us. Because as busy people, we've got places to go and people to see and things to do, right? You're going, how much longer do you have? Because I got, I got a game to watch. I got people to go hang out with. You know, you got shopping to do, you got neighbors to be with, you've got a small group to be at, you got kids to wrangle, you've got all sorts of access to you 24-7 because you got a cell phone. And so that means that you and I are accessible at any given moment and people can stream you and message you and poke you and chat you and... I mean, every possible way that you can be reached, you, you are accessible nonstop. And it just gets exhausting. And it's difficult to, to keep up with. And 
Yet at the same time, Romans chapter 12 says, be not conformed to the ways of this world. And so as followers of Jesus, how in the world do we not fall into the pattern of this world that is really conformed to busyness and constant access, constant activity, constant movement? You know, God built rest into our system. He he built rest into our way of being. He intends for moments of rest, seasons of rest. In the Old Testament, way back at the beginning, when he creates the world in six days, on the seventh day, what does he do? He rested. And not because God was tired, God doesn't get tired, but God established for the Israelite people a a pattern of rest that it is important to work and there's joy to be had in our work and on our diligence, but rest was always meant to be a part of the equation. And Sabbath became a real practical way for them to experience a ceasing from their labors and a weekly opportunity as they stopped. It was an opportunity for them to remember, hey, I'm not God. And the world continues to go even when I cease from my labors. You fast forward to today, and I think that's something helpful for a lot of us because I think subconsciously a lot of us just keep going and keep moving because we do think somewhere, maybe even subconsciously, that everything depends on us. If it's going to be, it depends on me. And if I stop, then this whole thing's going to fall apart. Well, and in that mindset, we're just really kind of elevating ourselves as God. Maybe others of us never want to slow down, never want to rest, because we would be terrified to have to sit in stillness with what's really going on in here. And so we just keep ourselves at a constant state of activity. Because if we slow down with our thoughts, if we slow down in stillness with our own hearts and souls, We might be nervous to find out what's really going on there. Jesus even rested. Jesus had a phenomenal work ethic, and he poured himself out on a regular basis, didn't he? But Jesus also rested so many times recorded in the Gospels where he stole away by himself to be still and pray. So many times where it's recorded that he falls asleep takes a nap in the back of a boat while the storm is raging. There's times where he's walking with his friends from one location to another, his disciples, and if you did the geographical tracking, he went from here to over here, he rarely went from straight from point A to point B. Sometimes he would take the long way because he knew he just worked here, he's gonna do some work there, Let's take the long way and do some rest along the way. Let's do the long way and spend some time together before we get back to it. Jesus even rested. And if Jesus rested, my goodness, shouldn't we? 
I think it's huge and key and powerful for you and I to find this rest. In, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus offers these words of rest that I think came to the people at the right time. Now, the people that he's speaking to, he could sense that they were feeling the weight of what it was just to be living in their day, to face the stuff they faced in their culture, but especially they were feeling the weight of what it meant to be in relationship with God. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus speaks these words that are familiar to, to many of you. In Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28, it says this. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, just stopping right there, that's not something that we always would assume if I come into a relationship with Jesus, if I come into this relationship with, with God himself, is that a restful sort of thing? Jesus continues in verse 29, says, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And here it is, you will find rest for your souls. This is massive. Jesus is really desiring for you and I to have rest for our souls. He continues on, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And here Jesus is now contrasting because the religious people in their day were just heaping all these rules and regulations. They had a hyper emphasis on the law of the Old Testament with regards to how to interact with God. And then the Pharisees had added on hundreds of other regulations, hundreds of other do's and don'ts. And so when people were trying to figure out what it was to be in relationship with God, it would have felt incredibly burdensome. It, it would be overwhelming to go, how in the world am I ever going to do all the right things? And God, how could I ever avoid all the wrong things? It would have been burdensome. And Jesus, by contrast, is saying, hey, walking with me, Walking with God was never meant to be burdensome. Take my yoke upon you. Come under my wing. A yoke was a farming instrument that linked two animals together to pull a load. And they would pair a stronger, more experienced animal with the new one. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it's also this reminder, hey, I'm the strong one here. You just link up with me and we'll walk it out together and I'll do the work as you go along with me. Now, this is massive and huge. You know, there's a bunch of things that could overtax your soul, right? There's, there's probably 150 things that could overtax your soul. A handful of them might be things like uh, trauma. Trauma today is unfortunately prevalent all over the place. Many of you have experienced real trauma. You've experienced horrific things, uh, abuse, or you've been on the battlefield or whatever, you've experienced real trauma. Unfortunately, trauma today has become kind of a buzzword and uh, a lot of people claim anything is trauma. Oh, I've been traumatized. My Disney Plus login didn't work as fast as I wanted it to. That's not quite trauma. But real trauma 
while it might have been emotional on the onset or something that you witnessed or something that actually happened to you, that sort of trauma can make its way to your heart and soul and overtax it. Loss can hit your heart and your soul. Those of you that are grieving the loss of someone or something or some place, if you're in the middle of grieving, then my goodness, that has a tremendous impact on your soul because we are holistic beings and loss plays on a relational level and a mental level and a physical level and an emotional level as well as a spiritual level. Those of you that are really highly empathetic or sensitive sorts of people, if you're experiencing a lot of the needs or hurts of others around you, and you're particularly attuned to that, or this season in your life, you're married to someone that's really hurting, or a family member, a friend that's really hurting, and you've been pouring yourself out, well, then that can tax your soul as well transitions from one location to another, one job to another, one school to another. They can overtax your soul. High conflict with a friend or a family member or a spouse or at work or whatever, that can overtax your soul. Maybe you've experienced some failure. There was a goal you set, you didn't meet it. Uh, There's an area of life you were trying to achieve something and it came a little bit short and the letdown of that has made its way to your heart and your soul. Maybe it's just plain old-fashioned sin that's overtaxing your soul. Because it's not always consequences, is it? Consequences of sin aren't always the only thing that we experience. Sometimes there aren't immediate consequences that you and I observe as a result of our sin. There's a lot of the grace of God in that. But there's always a consequence where When we sin and disobey God, it takes its toll on our heart. There's a hardening effect, a desensitizing to our heart and our soul, especially in consistent, habitual, over and over again, non-repentant sort of sin. It can overtax your soul. But what Jesus is talking about here, what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 11 When he says, come to me if you're weary, let me teach you. I'm gentle and humble in heart. I want to give you rest for your soul. What he's talking about is not necessarily this type of thing that would overtax your soul. I think what Jesus is talking about here is the worst thing that could tax your soul. And that is this. I think the worst thing that can tax your soul and my soul is the constant subconscious self-effort of trying to make yourself acceptable to God. There's nothing that'll wear your heart and your soul out than you thinking that you have to do all the work to get to heaven. That if you ever sin, you ever fail, if you ever do not measure up, if you stumble, If you have any sort of misstep, then God's going to hate you. He won't like you. He won't want to be in relationship with you. If somewhere in your heart and your soul, you've got a deep angst there because you feel maybe the way that some of these people in Jesus' day felt like, 
I, I can't ever measure up with you, God. I can never do enough for you, God. Or I don't think I could ever stop sinning at the level that you want me to, God. Then right now, I would love for you just to take a deep breath. Because I think Jesus would want his people that were listening to him say those words, take a deep breath. I think when he said, I want to give you rest for your souls, when he, when he spoke those words, there was deep empathy and compassion that he had for the people that were there. Just going, I, I don't want you to feel like being in a relationship with me is the sum total of you trying harder. And if you think that's what the Christian life is, then come link up with me because I got a whole different way for you. I've got rest for your souls that maybe you have not quite yet experienced at a level that will be a blessing to you rather than a burden to you. That's why Psalm 46, you know it. Whether you know it or not, you know Psalm 46. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Take a moment and just be still. I think this is powerful. When we slow down and turn down the ambient noise of our life, the busyness, our own thoughts, what everybody else is saying, and crank up the volume on God, which often happens in stillness. I think the stuff that is preoccupying us and worrying us and overwhelming us also gets turned down and his peace gets turned up. I need to hear he is God often because right with that means if he is, that means I'm not. It also means I don't have to pretend like I am. Be still and know that he is God. If you're feeling like you have to measure up to please him, if you're feeling you have to earn his love to please him, please stop and take a deep breath. <sighs> Jesus did everything possible to measure up for you. He did everything to accept you. <sighs> That's a good feeling, right? Satan, on the other hand, would love to burden you. Satan would love to burden you with this lie. Your self-worth is the sum total of two things, your performance and other people's opinions. Robert McGee wrote a book called The Search for Significance. I highly recommend it. But if you've ever felt that your value and your worth is made up of your performance, your ability to meet a certain standard well, then join the club. I've been in that club. If you ever felt like your worth or your value is the sum total of other people's opinions about you, join the club. I've been in that club. Now, some of you, you might struggle with one of these more than the other. Some of you, you really don't care what people think, but you're a perfectionist or you're an achiever, so this one might be an issue. Others, you might be the opposite. If you don't hit the mark all the time, that's okay as long as people like you. Others of you, if you're like me, then I got both of these as a problem. 
And it works well, right? I feel real good about myself and my value and my worth's intact when I'm measuring up, I'm meeting the standard, whatever that standard is, wherever I am. Or if everybody likes me, everything's golden. But the problem is when I fail or I don't measure up or I don't feel like I'm measuring up, guess where my self-worth goes? Right down the toilet with my performance. If other people don't like me, it's really hard because my worth and value is tied into it and it gets flushed right down with the people who don't think very highly of me. And it's an exhausting way to live, right? That's why the enemy loves to keep speaking this over us. Hey, you're only valuable if you measure up. Hey, you're only valuable if other people, certain people in particularly like you. It's an exhausting way to live. And that's why the enemy is constantly speaking it to us. It's also why Jesus came to break the back on that lie with the gospel, with what he did on the cross for me and you. He came to break the back on the lies of the enemy. This one in particular, your worth and your value is not determined by your performance. Your work and your value is not determined by how you are able to measure up. It's not determined by other people's opinions of you. Your worth and value is determined by your creator. It's determined by God himself. And you didn't earn it. And you didn't deserve it. I didn't. But he loves you anyway because he made you. And then he came and he laid down his life for you. And then he conquered sin and death when he rose from the grave, proving that he is God, proving that he has the ability to make dead things live. What a gift. This whole thing is not about us trying to work harder. It's probably about us trying to rest more in the work that he's already done for us, right? Did you know you were never meant to be everywhere, know everything, and do everything all at once? That's God's job. I'm not omnipotent. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not omniscient. Only one is those things, and that is God Almighty. But my goodness, I go around all over the place thinking, sometimes subconsciously, that I got to be everywhere for everybody all the time, and I got to know everything about the Bible and life and everything and everything about church and everything about everything. And I got to be there for everyone all the time. I got to do all the stuff that got to get done, because if I don't do it, then it's going to collapse. There's a book called The Imperfect Pastor that I read. And the author of that said that. We were never meant to be in that spot. And that line just stuck with me. You and I are not God, so be still and know that he is. And so for us to begin to let his love wash over us and us rest in it, that's the one thing we need to be focused on. Look, look at Luke chapter 10 real briefly with me. There's a familiar set of sisters here that if you've been around the scriptures for a little while, you might be familiar with. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, at the end of the chapter, these two sisters have an interaction with Jesus that I think is, is insightful, helpful for us in this discussion. 
In verse 38, it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it and it will not be taken from her. And here, just like a brief moment to contrast Mary's one thing versus Martha's many things. Martha's got many things that she's preoccupied about, concerned about, all these details. Now, before we throw Martha under the bus or get too rough on poor old Martha here, I remember she's trying to be hospitable. Martha has apparently a good work ethic. She's got the gift of hospitality. There are legitimate things that need to get done. And we don't hear Jesus naysaying those things. What Jesus does seem to point out, though, is that Martha seems to be more bothered that she's having to do the work alone then the fact that she doesn't get to sit at the feet of Jesus. That seems to be what's bothering Martha. Contrast that to Mary and the one thing that she has discovered, I think, is something akin to relationship with Jesus. That's the one thing. What has the one thing that Mary's discovered? She's discovered discipleship. Which back in their day that a rabbi would be discipling a woman right there is is culturally problematic. Jesus is bucking the system. Yes, you are worthy of it too. Mary has discovered seeking first the kingdom of God. Mary has discovered Jesus' heart for listening versus doing. He's discovered Mary's, Mary's got this heart to, to sit there at the feet and be still rather than just rushing all around in kind of frenetic activity that may or may not be disconnected from any relationship with Jesus. Mary's discovered that I think Jesus, she knew somewhere in her, Jesus was the only one that could make her right. There was no amount of like doing the right stuff that was gonna make her right. She knew that Jesus was the only one that was gonna make her right before God. It's like this, you know, if, so my daughter Leilani, she's eight years old. And someday, I imagine she'll probably get married if I let some guy marry her. (laughs) No, I really do long for that for her. But I I hope and pray that my little girl gets a phenomenally godly, loving, caring man. But if that potential son-in-law 
came to me to have the conversation about, hey, I'm kind of interested in your daughter and I'd like to marry her. And we had that conversation over a coffee or whatever. And if I asked him the question, why do you want to marry Leilani? And he thought for a minute and then he stumbled back the answer. Well, you know, I think your daughter has a tremendous workload capacity. First, I would punch him in the face. Second, I would go run to my daughter and say, no, get away from that guy. Because if the only reason that he wants to marry her is because of what she can produce, how much work she can do, she's a workhorse and that's why I love her, that, that isn't a good reason. As a dad... I don't want someone to take my daughter as his bride because of what work she can do for him or even them together. I want someone to come and ask my daughter to be his bride just because he loves her. And it's the same for me and you. You and I are the bride of Christ. And when God comes and wants to be in this intimate union relationship with us, it isn't for what we can do for him. It's not the workload capacity that you have that made him fall in love with you. It's not even that you have a ministry capacity that made him fall in love with you. In fact, he came and laid his life down on the cross for you before any of us even had a God thought going through our head. He loved you just as you were. He pursued you just as you were. Some of you that don't have a relationship with him, he's still pursuing you right now and it's not so that you can do stuff for him and it's certainly not so that you can earn your way into his good graces. He sent Jesus because he knew that Jesus could do that which you and I could never do. That is to take the weight of sin, the punishment for sin on himself. You and I couldn't do that. Let us not minimize the person and the work of Jesus Christ, what he did for us. But by trying to work our way into heaven, trying to measure up, trying to earn his love and acceptance. Take a deep breath. Any standard that needed to be met, Jesus met it for you. Any acceptance or approval that you desire, Jesus has already given it to you. Take a deep breath and rest in that. There's no amount of good things that you do that'll make him love you more. And when we get off track, it doesn't make him hate you. He reconciled all of that stuff at the cross. That's a big deal. That's why I think that learning to rest in who Jesus is and what he's done for you, that's the key to an overtaxed soul, regardless of how busy you are. Yeah, we're probably doing too much. 
We'll talk about that next week. But for those of you that are wrestling with uh, this fear or concern or weight that says, I don't know that I will ever, ever, ever measure up because I'm not doing enough for God or for anybody else. Take a deep breath and stop trying. Jesus knew that you could never measure up. And so in the beauty of this, on a cosmic level, what Jesus did in his work on the cross and the resurrection was he took the work on himself. And then now he's given us, God's given us the one who could do the work and put him inside us who can't do the work in our heart and in our soul. Only Jesus could justify you. Only Jesus could make you not guilty before God. I think Mary got a sense of that. Only Jesus could turn you from being an enemy of God into a friend of God. I think Mary sensed that. There was nothing Mary was going to do about making herself not guilty. There was nothing Mary, that was, Mary was going to do that was going to earn her love from her Savior. Jesus did all the work. Jesus did all the work. Jesus did all the work for you. And so listen to me. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling a little bit inadequate, good. If you're feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and inadequate is driving you to say, I can't, it's driving you back to a Jesus who can, then good. Because when we are weak, that's when he's strong. And when you get to the end of yourself and say, I can't do it, watch out, then some real miracles can start to happen. But if we're as organized and methodical and we don't need anybody's help, especially God's, watch out. I don't want to be in that place. Under my own steam and my own power, that's who I try to be. You know what that keeps doing? It keeps overtaxing my soul. But when I consistently sit at the feet of Jesus, it's just saying I've got limits. And if we can have a little fun for a minute, would you raise your right hand and repeat after me? Good, thanks. I know it's stupid. (laughs) Repeat after me these three words. I have limits. Good for you. You've got limits, and God knew it. And so he's the one that makes up for everything that's lacking. If you can't rest in that, then I don't know where you can find any rest because there's no other answer outside of Jesus himself that's gonna find rest for your soul. Every other religion puts you towards works and good deeds. It's only Jesus that is the one that says, I did all the work. Now you put your faith and trust in what I have done and rest in it. That'll bring some rest for your soul. We'll talk about your body next week. If you would just receive this as a last word of prayer, maybe just God speaking some life over you, take another deep breath and just receive this as a prayer straight from the scriptures for you as a reminder out of the book of Isaiah about the character and the nature of God and about 
you as well in relation to him. Would you just receive this? Let him breathe into you what you've exhaled. Let him breathe into you some life and some rest. And I'll pray that this makes its way all the way down to your soul and that you have opportunity every single day this week, not to try harder, but to maybe just sit at Jesus' feet because you'll find rest there every single time you do. Would you receive this as we close out in prayer? You can close your eyes and bow your heads. Receive these words from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and on. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And so, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for we thank you for the strength that you provide. We thank you that you did all the work, all the spiritual work that was required, all the relational work. We thank you that you were the initiator. And that you th- we thank you that you loved us all the way to the very end. I pray for those that are here, those that are online, a part of our family there. Pray for those that are overworked and overstressed and overextended and spiritually malnourished. Pray for those that are overtaxed right at their very soul because of that constant subconscious self-effort of just trying to measure up and trying to earn your love and favor. and. Lord, we just kind of lay that down today and acknowledge that that might be some of us. And forgive me, God, for the times where I'm trying to play your role. And thank you that I, I don't have to be everywhere and I don't have to know everything and I don't have to do everything all at once, that that's your job. But on the most spiritual, deep level for my heart and my soul, thank you that you sent Jesus to do what I could never do, what we could never do, and making a way for us to be made right with you. I pray for those that maybe have never had the opportunity to do that. Pray for those that you're calling right now to step into a relationship with you for the first time. If that's you here online, you just need to have an honest heart-to-heart with God in prayer. You just tell him, Lord, I... I've been operating independent of you. And I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm beat up. Yeah, circumstances have gotten in the way, but it's really sin. 
And so I ask you, you'd forgive me of my sin. I'm gonna hand the keys of my life over to you and I'm asking that you sit in the driver's seat. I'm gonna yoke up to you. I need you to be the bigger, stronger one right now. And for the rest of my days, I'll stay yoked to you. I wanna walk with you and I wanna have you do phenomenal things in my life, but I'm gonna start with resting in you. I'm gonna stop trying so hard. I'm gonna start resting in who you are and what you've already done and the stuff I don't know about you yet, would you provide for me there? I wanna learn more and more about you. If that's you here online, then you just have that conversation with him. And when you do, the sincerity of that prayer, you go from being guilty before God because of the sin that you've got in your life to being not guilty. You go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. He already loved you, but it's just that sin that was wrecking everything. So now he pulls you in close and says, hey, just sit at my feet. I'll take care of the rest. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for every single person that you've got your eyes on and you're loving so well. We rest in you today and this week to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.